0: is up everybody and how's it going i'm alex goldstick and you are listening to the spring forward podcast we're staring down the barrel of week three at tsl 2020 in san antonio there are major championship game implications in the third of four regular season matchups for each team in the spring league coming up first on tuesday evening november 10th at 8 p.m eastern on fs1 the two-in-one alphas will take on the 0 and two jousters Then, at 3 p.m. Eastern on Wednesday, in the untelevised game of the week, the 0-2 Conquerors will face the undefeated and top-ranked Aviators. Finishing off Week 3 will be the 2-1 Blues against the undefeated Generals in the week's highest profile and most consequential matchup. That game is also on Wednesday at 8 p.m. Eastern and will air on FS1. If you're in the San Antonio area, the two night games are open to the public. Tickets can be bought exclusively at the Alamo Dome box office. On today's episode, Alphas quarterback JT Barrett joins Spring Forward. Barrett is one of the biggest names here in San Antonio. His Alphas are one and one, but I think it's safe to say that his squad made the biggest jump in performance from week one, where they were shut out, to week two, where they beat a Conquerors team who certainly does not deserve to be winless. JT is a large part of that momentum shift, and he and the rest of the Alphas will look to keep their championship hopes alive against the Jousters. Enough of my take, let's get to the interview with JT. This interview was recorded with our masks on, so heads up and apologies in advance for any reduced sound quality. JT Barrett is a born and raised North Texas native who is best known for his illustrious career as the quarterback at Ohio State. He's at TSL 2020 in San Antonio now, where he was selected by and is the starting quarterback for head coach Steve Fairchild's one and one alphas. JT, welcome to the pod.
1: What's happening? What's going on?
0: So Texas is a big place, but no matter where you are in the state, you can bet you're going to find people that are in love with football. Um, you're from Wichita Falls, which is a little over two hours northwest of Dallas. You know, according to my Google Maps research, mm-hmm. pretty close to the Oklahoma border. Um i'm a northeast new york kid so i'll ask the most cliche question possible to lead off but what was your texas friday night lights high school experience and other sports for that yeah. matter like
1: yeah it was a it was a great experience i mean you hear about texas football and you know what it does for a town and a city and i feel like that was how my hometown really was essentially um yeah on friday nights if it was not just a you know, our football game, but if somebody else was there, everybody in the town was out and also too, you know, there was other sports and it was just kind of like what you would think of a Texas football town coming out on Friday night, supporting the teams and having a good time for the kids that are out there playing.
0: It's obviously not a spoiler. You're you're uh, you know most famous for being at Ohio State, but I'm sure you were heavily recruited uh, by other schools out of high school. Mm-hmm. So how'd you decide to head to OSU, especially considering you tore your ACL senior year of high school? So I know your high school career was um, cut short. Had you committed already, and did that change when you yeah, tore yeah. your ACL? Yeah,
1: yeah. I was uh, committed to Ohio State already. I committed uh, April 18th of that was was 2012. Uh, so I committed then. So that's your junior year. Yeah. Or going in yeah junior year coming to my senior year so i was 2012 uh but committed and then uh tore my acl on october 5th 2012 but um they able to keep me as a commit and was fortunate enough to go out there but um the biggest thing about Ohio State was winning uh i wanted to go to a place where i was going to win football games and where did i feel like i was going to be able to to be a part of winning in that winning culture atmosphere and how state really stood out when it came to that uh and also Um, other things, one part of it was education and, um, you know, a family type environment and a side story that really like stuck out to me. I was on my visit up to Ohio State and me and my dad are staying at this Red Roof Inn down the street and we walked to the McDonald's, which was right down the way. And, um, I'm sitting there talking, you know, ordering my food and the lady at the register is saying, we, us, and all these different like connecting words as far as Ohio State and the Buckeyes. And that really stood out to me as far as. You know, she's, you know, has no part of the program necessarily, but the fact that she spoke with so much passion about Ohio State and um, not just football, but, you know, her friends and family that was part of it, I thought that was just really eye-opening for me and I wanted to be a part of that, so that's why I chose Ohio State.
0: Were you looking to get out of Texas, or were there were, you, were there schools that you were considering closer to home?
1: Uh, yeah, I was, but at the end of the day, I was, I wanted to win, and it really didn't matter where it was at. I was fortunate enough to where my parents didn't necessarily restrict, or you know, they didn't really have a say on where I wanted to go. They was like, wherever you're at, we're gonna go over there and support you. So, um, I was fortunate to pick where I wanted to go.
0: Um, so playing at a school like Ohio State, while it may not come with the the glitz and glamour of the NFL, or maybe mm-hmm. it does. But it puts you on the same level in terms of media attention and fans you're playing in front of on a weekly basis sometimes mm-hmm. even bigger you know with the horseshoe and other big 10 stadiums mm-hmm. how do you handle that transition from high school to nationally covered college football
1: yeah it was definitely different uh i grew up um and like i said texas and i didn't see a much like much of Ohio State. i you know saw texas oklahoma being i was close right there texas tech a lot of people that went my school into tech uh and so i knew basically the southern teams and LSU my family grew up in uh or my parents and grandparents are from Louisiana right so with that I grew up on that type of thing so with that um didn't know much about Ohio State but um yeah when you come to start it you find out really quickly how big it, it is being the quarterback at Ohio State so um I mean it was a I guess a learn on the fly I mean the year I came in and started playing I saw Braxton the year before when I was red shirting how he handled being the quarterback and then when uh, it was my opportunity to, you know, go out there and play. It was one of those things where it was kind of learn on the fly and really see the impact of, or impact it has on people. So it was pretty cool. I don't know if you saw it
0: after the fact or if your family was watching, but your former coach Urban Meyer filmed a piece um, breaking down your game on the FS1 broadcast mm-hmm. of the Alphas uh, game last week. Um, you know, convenient that he's a, mm-hmm. he's employed by Fox now. How has your relationship with Coach Meyer evolved since you left Columbus and um, are navigating your pro career?
1: Yeah, we're still uh, still pretty close. He, uh, I talked to him a couple weeks back um, and still good communication. I mean, we, we went out there and we fought out a lot of games together, you know. So with that, uh, there's a, definitely a bond there. Uh, but as that's, that's my coach, I appreciate, you know, the things he's done for me, not just with football, but just the lessons learned and things like that. So there's always appreciation and respect there.
0: Now, uh, apologies to my brother, who I hope listens to these episodes, but he went to the school up north, and I'll respect you mm-hmm. and my calling it that if he's listening, but uh, you're the only quarterback in the game's history for either team to go 4-0 and as a starter. Mm-hmm. Um, Ohio State obviously has lofty goals every year, but that game is something special in the, in the fabric of college football and American sports in general, no matter how either team is doing that season. What does that game and having so much success against your biggest rivals mean to you now that you're two years out of college?
1: Yeah, it, it still means a lot because I think when we were there it was there was so much emphasis or emphasis on how much it means to the people of Ohio and the mm-hmm. people that played before you and just everybody that's around Ohio State, period. Uh that matters to a lot of people and um that meant a lot to me. That it meant to like it meant something to people and with that I wanted not just myself, but you know, teammates and everybody that was involved, like we wanted to go out there and put out you know, and go out there and win at the end of the day. It didn't matter how we won, but we knew we wanted to win and at whatever cost you go out there and win that game because it mattered to so many people and it still matters as you could see, like that's something that's gonna be talked about not just, you know, with me, but mm-hmm. every year, you know, Ohio State team up north who's winning that game and that's very important to a lot of people in the state of Ohio and I was very fortunate to be on the teams where we uh, where we won every game playing them but it was uh that's why I remember so much about that, you know, the responsibility of how much it means to the people, uh, not just Ohio State and people of Ohio State, but just in general, the state of Ohio. And that was important to me and my teammates. And so we went out there and did the thing, but I thought it was pretty cool.
0: Now, I don't think you and Shea Patterson overlapped in the, in the Big Ten, but mm-hmm. um, is there still, you know, some ongoing smack talk between the Michigan guys that are here and the Ohio State guys that are
1: here? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I haven't, there hasn't been that much talk. I don't know what we had to talk about. <laughs> <laughs> so, in addition to,
0: to the game, I think it also goes without saying, I'm going to say it anyway, that you had an outstanding college career. Mm-hmm. First team, all Big Ten. All three years you were healthy in school. So that's 14, 16, and 17. Mm-hmm. Um, among other achievements, you've got the Ohio State record for most total yards in a season, most career passing yards, most career completions. And then you've got Big Ten records for most career passing touchdowns, total touchdowns, and you beat out a guy named Drew Brees from Purdue for most career yards. Given all that, hmm. the NFL and the NFL draft specifically is a big equalizer across everyone attempting to get to that level.
1: Hmm.
0: What was that process like for you?
1: Um, it was definitely different. Uh, the draft process and I would say, you say the draft process, which, I mean, you you would think it would encompass those months before, you know, everybody's the start of that season when you first come out, right? Um, So with that, uh, it was definitely different navigating, um, you know, how the NFL works, right? Or, you know, and I really didn't know then, I feel like I have a better idea now, but then it was uh, just a deeper understanding of like how things really go on and how things operate. You know, some teams, like, like I went to the Saints and it was, I was fortunate to be there, but do they need a quarterback? You know what I'm saying? So there's a lot of different things that go into you know when somebody's drafted, you know, why are they drafted? There's a lot of factors, so um, and I'm not there's no formula for anybody. So with that, it was a, a learning experience. At the end of the day, I was fortunate to be a part of the combine and different things. So uh, at the end of the day, it was pretty cool. So I just mentioned Drew Brees. You just mentioned the Saints. Um,
0: you were signed as an undrafted free agent, where you were with them on and off uh, mm-hmm. for your first year in the, year in the NFL, mm-hmm. um, rising as high as their practice squad for about eight months. Mm-hmm. Um, regardless of where you went to school, what's that first moment in the NFL like?
1: Um, it's. I mean, it is an opportunity. It's. It's one of those things where it is. I feel like it. For me, it wasn't what I thought it was. Right. Like it just like where I was necessarily on, uh, on the team. It wasn't what I thought it was. And, um, you really see the, the work of it, you know, the being with the saints, like it's a, like it is a job, but you saw how much and how like pushed to it where you could see that. Yeah, this is definitely, this isn't just for fun on Saturdays no more. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, it was definitely different but grateful for it.
0: You mentioned your parents and grandparents were Louisiana natives. Did mm-hmm. did that play in at all to being on the Saints?
1: Yeah, yeah. My grandparents, uh yeah, my bad. My grandparents are from Louisiana. Uh, my parents grew up in Texas, but yeah, it was um it wasn't necessarily you know, being closer to them, it wasn't necessarily that. It was more so uh, you know, where I feel like I was gonna grow as a person as quarterback and different things like that when it came to being undrafted. So uh, with that, I wanted to be a part of uh, be a part of the Saints' offense, and you know mm-hmm. what they do offensively. You see Drew year and you out spin the ball, and that was something to learn. Uh, you know his routine and different things like that. That was something I wanted to be a part of, as far, you know, offensively. You know how they go about their business.
0: So, besides the Saints, you've been with two other teams in your NFL career: the Seahawks and the Steelers. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sure it's never a light decision to bring someone of your name recognition into a team and then the same for letting you go. Are there any consistencies in what teams have been telling you to focus on um, in order to stick? Or is that something that you've got a specific focus uh, based on that feedback while you're here in San Antonio at the Spring League?
1: Yeah, being here in San Antonio, I mean, I can't even get film. It was the biggest thing in was, well, he doesn't have enough film and different things like that. So how do you go about that? You got to, you know, be a part of... Uh, one be a part of the team and have preseason or be a part of things like this and get up to you just to you know have tape so uh, that was really what was the word for myself is like well you know he needs taping different things like that which uh, with the COVID stuff happening um, mm-hmm. you know kind of led us to this position but I'm definitely very grateful to be here and um just the opportunity to come out here and get that tape of you know that's necessary to go and for that next level. So uh, that was the conversations I got from teams where we needed to see them play.
0: And so how did you find out about the Spring League? Because as you said, COVID has really stripped a lot of the opportunities to get film away, whether it's the XFL, whether it's preseason. Um, yeah. How did you find out that the Spring League was happening?
1: Yeah, it was... Um, I feel like I've seen the Spring League before. I didn't know much about it, but uh, it was something my agent reached out to me about I want to say it was too much, two months before it started going, really, and he was like, well, this is on the back burner for right now, and just in case if something comes up, the team calls, whatever, but this is an opportunity to get that film that is necessary, or that we need in order uh, to continue to you know, pursue our football j- dreams and stuff, so uh, that's how I came about and thought on it a little bit, and then just really saw how nothing else was really going on at this time, so mm-hmm. uh, with that being said, we're here and trying to make the most of it.
0: I don't know much about Texas geography, um, but do you have any prior relationship with San Antonio or the Alamo Dome?
1: Uh, yeah, my well, not necessarily me, my family. My mom and dad were stationed here um, in the early 90s. My older brother was born in San Antonio. Um, so that was the relationship. And uh, we grew up Spurs fans in my household because okay. of it. So, um, yeah, that's the relationship we have with San Antonio.
0: Can you talk about some of the guys you recognize here at the Spring League? Maybe you've crossed paths with them before in your football career. Maybe some new faces that you're connecting with that have surprised you?
1: Um, well, I got my dog, Dame Webb, who's here. We played ball together at O State. Uh, so that's my dog. Um, and then Also on the Alphas. Yeah. And then um, there's different people where have been training or different, like cross paths and leave. There's a lot of people that are here. Uh, so I don't want to start rambling names and miss somebody. <laughs> uh, but. Uh, yeah, it's definitely, whether it been college or uh, times in the NFL or the time being in the NFL um, or just, shoot, working out and seeing people in Dallas, that's where I live now. So it's like, uh, yeah, you come across a lot of faces. And with that, uh, it's been a good experience for all of us, I believe.
0: One of the new faces that I know you definitely have come across to that I'd like your take on is, I'm not sure if you or anyone else for that matter realizes before they see it here that there's a somewhat large American football following in Japan. Mm-hmm. One of your receivers is Yoshihito Omi, who's a mm-hmm. member of the Japanese national team who the Spring League actually played in Dallas in March. Mm-hmm. Um, what has it been like to see the game through his eyes? I've seen you with him a, bu- a bit coaching him. And- yeah, yeah,
1: yeah Omi um, yeah Omi knows ball, so it's not, it's not really anything as far as the conversation, um, like he understands the language of, like, the language of football as well in different. Uh, conversation we have about coverage and routes and different things like that so he understands all that Uh, but no we have a good time I mean he's just one of the boys it's it's interesting his take I feel like I find myself asking him a lot of questions uh, (laughs) about Japan and you know how things are done over there and different things like that so um, yeah I feel like maybe I'm bothering Omi a little much about my interest on you know (laughs) his life but uh, no Omi's a I feel like he's a great asset to our team, blocks well, he goes out there and uh, knows his job and different things like that. So it's pretty cool to see the translation of American football with Japan.
0: Yeah, and I don't know about you, but I'm taking the Japanese guys' numbers because I'm trying to go over there. (laughs) (laughs) For sure. Um, In my analysis, the the Alphas made the biggest leap between week one and week two here, going from being shut out by the Blues to beating the Conquerors on your first national TV game. Mm Take us through your view of how those two games went and what the biggest difference was between a bad week one and a redeeming week two.
1: Yeah, um, yeah. week one was rough. I think it was just um, a lot of things, whether it had been jitters and, um, you know, hadn't, it's been a while for you uh, shoot not just myself for sure, but other guys as well, just being out there again. Uh, all of us, you know, first time playing together, uh, new plays, new people. I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I think uh, one thing that helped us was – at the end of the day, who's practicing well and having good practice, and that good practice leads to a better result on game day. So uh, that's, you know, a formula that works. It's not a crazy formula if you practice hard and uh, the game should be um, better. And so with that, we had a good week of practice this past past week when we had played the Conquerors. And uh, with that, we had a better performance on game day.
0: In a regular season that's only four weeks long, a single loss makes every other game a Mm -hmm. must-win. Two probably eliminates you from championship contention. Uh, In that way, maybe it's a little like college football, although only half the length. Mm -hmm. You're playing the winless Jousters uh, tomorrow night, Tuesday night on FS1, and then you finish the season by playing the Blues again. You never want to look past an opponent, but that Week 4 matchup, which is a Week 1 rematch and a battle, as we said, between Mm -hmm. you and Shea, if things break the right way for... For you guys, it could be a play – well, for both of you next week, this week, it could be a playing game for the championship. Mm-hmm. What do you and the Alphas need to do, besides winning, obviously, to give yourselves the best shot at going the distance?
1: Yeah, I think uh, one thing for us is um, speaking on our offense, it was definitely mm-hmm. one play at a time, um, control what we can, and then at the end of the day, go out there and play with confidence and uh, knowing what to do and playing fast. I think with that, that gives us the best opportunity to win. Um, and also, I'll speak for that for the, or for the defensive side as well. Um, just going out there, knowing your assignment, going out there and reacting and not thinking, uh, that's, order, that's how you play well and get yourself ready to play. So uh, with that, I think if we take that approach and practice well and attack every day, I think we're putting ourselves in the best position to go out there and play.
0: You spoke a little bit um, before about sort of the limitations of uh, you know not having a lot of time to practice. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, you know, all six teams at, at the Spring League are brand new. What kind of scouting and opponent-specific prep are you able to do on a weekly basis to get ready for a unique opponent? Um, is there any? Is uh, it too short?
1: Yeah, yeah. it's... Uh, oh, fortunately, the first week, you really didn't have any idea just because there wasn't no tape to go off of. So it was really like whatever you saw, it was kind of like, well, we're going to go along along with that until we see something else as far as, def- or you know, scheme-wise, right? So, uh, but this past week, being that we had a game... Uh, to watch and watch tape. I think that was something um, that helped us. And then also helps that we, you know, go and practice against other teams during uh, the week of practice as well, which helps just, you know, getting the reps of somebody else, uh, playing against somebody else and you not knowing necessarily the defensive calls and stuff like that. So, uh, overall, I think the week being being able to watch their first game, everybody's first game being able to watch that, I think Mm -hmm. helped everybody out.
0: So Jousters tomorrow night, uh, Mm -hmm. hopefully this interview, you know, if if you listen to this interview really quickly, you'll, you'll hear it before JT plays the Jousters tomorrow night. Um, For those lucky few, or let's hope, you know, thousands and thousands, uh, what should they look for specifically tomorrow night out of you?
1: Yeah. um, I think for us on offense, we're going to go out there and um, play with great tempo uh, and work on playing with a sense of urgency and, going out there and execute plays. I think, I mean, at the end of the day, playing at a high level, flying around the football, getting the guys um, going and moving around on offense. I think that's going to be our key to success. It's not just me out there. O-line really is our driving force. O-line gets things cooking up front. If they be able to do that, then I think we'll have a dominant day.
0: All right, well, we're, we're hoping for the best. Um, you know, unfortunately for the Jousters, they're probably already eliminated. So um, I'm rooting for the, the Alpha's momentum to continue. And uh, I really appreciate you taking the time out of uh, prepping for tomorrow uh, to join me.
1: Appreciate it, brother. Thanks, man.
0: All right, that will do it for this episode of Spring Forward. By the time this episode comes out, we'll be hours away from the Alpha's Jousters kickoff. Best of luck to JT this week, the rest of TSL 2020, and on his future NFL aspirations. Don't forget to catch the Spring League on FS1 during the remainder of the 2020 season. You can follow the Spring League on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and now TikTok at the Spring League. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Alex Goldstick. Still no TikTok. All music was provided to the Spring Forward podcast by Joshua Rosner. Talk soon. Later.